0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and on this episode, we are doing the 67th Best Picture winner, Forrest Gump.
1: Forrest Gump is a 1994 American comedy drama directed by Robert Zemeckis, based on a 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom. It stars Tom Hanks as the titular Forrest Gump, as we Basically, just watch his life and watch him move through various events of historical significance. But, like in the background, while actually we're just watching his relationships with these various characters evolve over time, I feel like that description doesn't quite do it justice. It's a hard film to describe.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'd agree. And I think. Just the characterization of Gump in particular is what makes it work. So I I realize that that description sounds kind of insane, but for some reason it just feels kind of like a warm hug. I mean, not without flaws, and like I think some there's some very valid criticism of of how it deals with historical events, but like surprisingly enjoyable.
1: I think it's like a warm hug when you really really needed a warm hug. Yeah. Like it's definitely complicated and it has some sad points and I was f- crying a lot there at the end, but, um, yeah, we'll get more into it, but it also stars Robin Wright in a phenomenal performance.
0: I love Robin Wright. She's so, so much. good.
1: Um, Gary Sinise as well, uh, Williamson and Sally Field,
0: also love sally field but
1: (laughs) it's a great cast it's a great cast and like everybody absolutely shows up and is like on their a-game in it Mm -hmm. it's some of the best supporting characters i think we've seen in a really long time
0: yeah both from an acting and a writing perspective it's not a they're very closely interwoven within the main thread and like in a way we haven't seen in a while
1: And they all like have very distinct personalities in their own arcs. And yeah, they're just very well done uh, supporting characters. Um, This movie got a lot of accolades at the time. Very well received. Um, I think there's some people have kind of like gone back and re-examined some stuff more recently. Uh, But generally still mostly positive from what I've seen. Uh, So the American Film Institute on their original top 100 movies uh, named it number 71. It later fell a couple places back um, to number 76 in the 10th anniversary edition. It features as the number 40 quote on AFI's top 100 movie quotes with Mama Always Said, Life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, which is such a good line. There are some really good lines in this.
0: There really are. It's There's a lot of... Um, like. Depending on the mood that you're in, maybe you'd see it as a little heavy-handed, but apparently I was just open to these kind of saccharine, like, deeper truth lines and ate it up.
1: <laughs> but they're well-constructed. There's several that I want to call out that, like, just really kind of encapsulate, like, a moment or an emotion in, like, a really nice, simplistic, but very true way. Um, and then it was also number 37 on the AFI's 100 Cheers. I mean, like, it, it you you want... Forest to succeed. Like, you yeah. like him. You can't help it. Um, and then it was nominated for quite a few things in the 67th Oscars. So uh, Zemeckis wins for Best Director. Tom Hanks wins for Best Actor. Uh, Sinise was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which I 100% see. Um, I'm not saying a Robin Wright for Best Supporting Actress, which I'm a little... Kind of like excuse you,
0: it does look like she was nominated for some things in other awards,
1: yeah, but not not at yeah. Oscars, um and, and then, not, Sally
0: field, neither like
1: okay, yeah, Come but on. if I'm going, I'm going with Sally Field or Robin Wright for a bus supporting, I would go with Robin Wright over Sally Field, partially, she gets more screen time, but Sally yeah. Field is great in this, she's absolutely great,
0: but more time plus great. Sorry, (laughs) like, sorry, Sally.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, you know, it can, it can affect things. Um, Eric Roth wins for best adapted screenplay. Uh, It was nominated for best art direction, but didn't win. Nominated for best cinematography, but doesn't win. Um, Arthur Schmidt wins for best film editing. Absolutely see that.
0: Some great comedic edits in, in this particular one.
1: Yeah, and, and like sassy edits. I love a mm-hmm. sassy edit. Um, nominated for best makeup, which I actually don't remember when that category was introduced, but I feel like it was a relatively recent one. Um, nominated for best original score, nominated for best sound, nominated for best sound effects, and it wins for best visual effects, which we I really want to talk about when we start talking about like the use of archival footage and stuff because they're great.
0: And it's such a... Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where those effects to some extent are so good because you notice them so little and even watching it 20, almost 30 years later, it still holds up. That's such a a testament to how well they were done.
1: Yeah, they're seamless. And it is fun to see a visual effect that's not related to like an explosion (laughs)
0: We don't need a Michael like, Bayesian, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that isn't to say that like special effects and, you know, oftentimes they go to like action or sci-fi or fantasy. And that isn't to say that like, I don't understand why, and that those effects aren't, you know, impressive or anything, but it's kind of fun to see, you know, it feels like a more subtle use and something like, understated. Um, yeah, something understated when that category, it's just, it's a little nice change. And with that, let's just jump into watch notes. I can sprinkle any other background I have throughout. Oh, (laughs) other nominees from that year. Sorry. Oh, can't forget that. Can't forget this. Um, Ooh, yes, because there was something I kind of wanted to say here. Uh, So other nominees from that year are Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and Shawshank Redemption. I think sometimes Forrest Gump can get a little bit of hate as a Best Picture winner because it is a very strong year for... Nominations. Um, I've seen both Pulp Fiction and Quiz Show. Both are very good. I know Shawshank is widely considered um, a classic. I, you know, I've even heard Four Weddings and a Funeral thrown around is like extremely good. I do think because you have Pulp Fiction and Shawshank, a lot of people want to like kind of shit on Forrest Gump and be like, well, it shouldn't have won. Part of the reason I'm so happy that we cover winners in order is because I think it helps give us a little bit of like context and understanding of like why sometimes stuff might have won that people, you know, weren't expecting or that people in hindsight are like, well, maybe that wasn't the one that I would have picked as winner. And I think if you consider the three previous best picture winners, it 100% makes sense why people were so ready for something like Forrest Gump. It was Silence of the Lambs, Unforgiven, and Schindler's List. All great films. All very hard to watch and very like tough. And like there is no warm fuzziness or comedy in those at all. Like, there... It, those are not hugs. <laughs> those uh, no. Those movies do not no. feel like hugs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's it goes back to how do you in any way attempt to quantify art? <laughs> so I think I agree with you that this was a, to some extent, reaction to the heavy material of the previous winners doesn't mean that it's not deserving by any stretch of the imagination so i'm going to be clear that i'm not trying to denigrate uh the the film itself but i'm totally with you
1: i just think that like you know when people look at just the nominees i if you're not a big fan of forrest gump you might be like why but Again, like it's a good movie and also super refreshing if you've, you know, just dealt with some <laughs> really, really hard hitters.
0: Yes. So, watch notes. I think we talked about this briefly prior to recording that this is one of those films where we like the frame story. And I totally agree. It and it works. For me to get way ahead, it's because the frame story is not the whole story and it moves along so quickly and every time you come back to the like framing device it is a different experience with different people listening to Forrest talking on the bench and like for example the fact that the woman at the end is like oh there will be another bus I want to keep listening to you is kind of mirroring how I felt at that point in the film where it's like okay well we want to keep going we're not going to leave this bench with you so I'm I, I'm good with how they pulled that together and then were able to move into like a more um, contemporaneous sort of telling at the end with Jenny.
1: I agree. And I think part of the reason it works is that editing. We jump back to that frame story at all the right moments. Um, also, great example of really good voiceover. And I think part of that is because the character of Forrest has such a distinct voice. And I'm not just saying talking about like accent or, like, way of speaking, but, like, the personality really comes through in all of it. And then also the way they use the voiceover to juxtapose what's happening on screen sometimes. So we're, like, we're getting this is Forrest's understanding of something. And we also see, like, what happened so then we can draw our own conclusions from it as well. I Yeah, I think it's just woven in really, really well. And it's necessary, I think, to get some of like the emotion. And for a character like Forrest, I think it's very under, very important for us to understand his thought process and where he's coming from.
0: And also with the frame story, I think there are some really nice little details that get thrown in. And this is not exclusive to him on the bench, but throughout the film... Like when he opens his suitcase, you have all of these references to the story that we're about to embark on, which you don't know at the time. Even having seen the film before, there were pieces in the case that I had forgotten about. Um,
1: The detail, I mean, there's the like art direction and stuff like the the amount of visual detail that you get and like visual foreshadowing. Like one of the earliest shots, like we have the feather coming in and then it stops on his like muddied dirty shoes which are kind of like jarring in comparison to this very like pressed suit he's wearing um and of course later like we realize that we get to see the shoes clean right before he goes on the big run across country
0: and guess who gave him the shoes jenny and he's wearing the shoes to see her so it's just such a tidy narrative arc (laughs) it's just it's enjoyable
1: the details are all there like it's so it's so well thought out like seeing seeing the ping pong paddle in the suitcase and like yeah it's it's really fun as a repeat viewing i don't know how many times you had seen this movie i'd actually seen it quite a few
0: i think only once or twice but it still even though it's fairly lengthy is is pretty enjoyable
1: well paced it's very well paced um, but I will say, I do think it's a movie that, like, you do get so much more out of it on a repeat viewing.
0: Yeah, you get to see all of the things you miss when you're you're focused the first time through. But we do get the peak line of the film very quickly, where he offers some chocolate to this woman who is very obviously not wanting anything to do with Forrest reading her People <laughs> She's magazine. She's this poor woman.
1: <laughs> She just wants to read her magazine and wait for her bus. But that is, like, I like the way you kind of pointed that out, that, like, you know, that first person he starts talking to. Um, and then we definitely see, like, when her bus arrives, like, She wasn't super into the story, but she is very nice about it. And then you have the person who was there who has now also kind of gotten wrapped in. And it is kind of like the audience where, like, we are getting more and more invested in this character the more we learn about him. So that at the end, when you're like, the woman's like, no, I'll I'll catch the next bus. I want to know how this story ends. We do feel the same way.
0: Yeah. But... That line specifically, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So that's, I, it was a good payoff. It's so It good. really is.
1: It, and again, like, yeah, it can feel a little like schmaltzy, but it's like, what a lovely, simplistic way to r- encapsulate just like this concept of luck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that really starts at the first flashback which the editing cut between Forrest's face and the same expression between his younger self and his grown-up self is just again testament to the editing such such a fun cut.
1: And I love the way with voiceover he'll be like my mama always said and like say the line and then you'll have immediately Sally Field as his mom delivering that same yes. line to young Forrest. It's
0: great. But I I think that luck piece is immediately shown by his luck at having the mother he had. So not only do we cut to her finding the right leg braces for him so he can walk around um, to the scene where she fights to have him included in public school.
1: Yeah. Because we established that Forrest has an IQ of 75, which is, below what the cutoff was for public school which the principal is like he'll need to go to a special school of course at that time especially where they are
0: we're talking pre-ada there is no protection for him
1: it exactly so like she you know the fact that like she is willing to fight and she is Willing to sleep with this sleazy principal in order to get him into public school because, as she says, my son will have the opportunities that everyone else will have. Like she's going to fight for that for him. I, I, yeah. We immediately understand. Yeah,
0: her. and she, she's just constantly fighting and trying to instill in Forrest that like you are, you are not. It's it's interesting because there is this kind of two sides of this message that she's given where Forrest, you are like everyone else but we understand that she understands that, that she knows that's not like fully true, but for his own benefit, she's making sure that is what he hears.
1: And just saying like the, no one is better than you. I think she, you know, she knows that things are not going to be easy for him. And I feel like his mom is where Forrest gets that like relentless, positive, Mm -hmm. like nature from, even though it, kind of manifests itself in slightly different ways. And I feel like with uh, Sally Field's character, there's like an aggressiveness mm-hmm. to it. Like an I, we will be positive, goddammit, kind ofness to it.
0: I mean, she is a single mother in the 50s in rural Alabama. So like, there's got to be some, while she's handling it extremely gracefully, like the stress she's under and the social stigma and like all of that
1: And while she talks him up, too, though, she's never like she never really lies to him or like sugarcoats anything, like saying like death is a part of life. And when she says when the principal is like, is there a Mr. Gump? And she just goes, he's on vacation. And then later, Forrest asks her what vacation means. And she tells him it means when somebody goes away and they don't come back. Like she's not lying to him. They're like, oh, your dad's on vacation. He'll be back. He'll be back. Like she's not gonna she's not gonna do that to him because it's not gonna serve right. him and I just think that like this positive practicalness we that we see Forrest have throughout the rest of the movie like it so clearly comes from his mom and I mm-hmm. love that
0: so to kind of take a step a little bit back um or I guess at to a higher level with that whole scene specifically around her getting him into school the film does this repeatedly where it shows us these arguably horrible things that are happening and frame it in a way that I don't know it, it there's like some dark humor to it so like when you think about the scene where um Sally Field's character is having sex with the principal to get Forrest into school like at the end of that the writing where the principal comes out and is like your mama really cares about your schooling kid. And then Forrest mocks his oafish, like sounds that he was making that I, it's such a fun thing to watch. Cause like in some ways that person is getting their comeuppance, like in, in one small, they're like being taken down a peg. Um,
1: It allows Forrest a little bit of agency, yeah, which I think is nice. Um, And also kind of gets across the idea of like, Yes, he doesn't have a high IQ, but like he's not stupid. Like Forrest does know what's going Mm -hmm. on a lot of the time.
0: Now how he interacts and interprets that is a different issue. Because like, I I don't know, the first first real portion of this where I kind of struggled with the incorporation of historical events is the reveal that he's Named after a KKK-like founder, and I don't know. It felt like the film was, in some ways, mocking them for the absurdity of wearing bed sheets and putting bed sheets on their horses.
1: It was. I think it's using. I think it's using Forrest's more simplistic view of this to point out the ridiculousness of a bad thing to be like, what these people were doing was not only wrong and bad. It was also just ridiculous. So, and I, the way his mom frames it is like, she named him that as a reminder that people do dumb things.
0: Yeah. I guess while on the one hand, I do think that it is a laughing at something is a way to, kind of bring it down to size I I am not sure I feel like the film was able to like delve into the weight of that and I guess I kind of worry that it's using that example specifically but in some cases later on these like really monumental and weighty events kind of to the benefit of Forrest's like arc as opposed to like really being able to add the weight of these and historical significance and impact.
1: But when you're living through the historical event, does it always feel like a weighty historical event or does it feel like a Tuesday and you have other things going on while this historical event happens in the background? You know what I mean? Like I, I understand the criticism and I don't think it's wrong, but I'm also like, there's part of me that really enjoys and finds kind of a little bit of dark comedy in this idea of like Watergate happened because Forrest couldn't sleep because he saw the flashlight
0: looking for like, a fuse box. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like this, like this idea that like, I don't know, it's like the weird mixture of like fate and luck and randomness. And that like, sometimes like really monumental stuff happens and like, there's just this thing happening in the corner. it happened because of something so small, so but I agree like that first example is kind of like a win and win.
0: I think honestly, the way that it deals with race in general, especially being set in small town alabama, is it it really falls flat because it's it's one thing for it to be Watergate where you're bringing down a person in power. it's another thing to be using you know essentially. References to lynching and things like that and not showing in any way, shape or form segregation in the South. And like it, it, it just felt like it glossed over a lot of um, some really serious like racial violence and trauma that I don't know. It just it, it felt feels exploitative in some way to me. Um,
1: I think the criticisms that you were bringing up are completely valid.
0: Yeah, it's a I mean. We didn't mention it at the beginning, but like the fact that Forrest has an IQ of 75 and is being played by a uh, a neurotypical person is, you know, it's a representation thing that we've we've hit on on other films. Now, is this arguably better than other films? Yeah. Um, But it was made there almost 30 years ago. So, again.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, a criticism we're always going to point out. Exactly. Um, let's backtrack a little bit. We need to talk about Jenny and Forrest's first meeting in the school bus.
0: Oh, it's so sweet.
1: What a great scene. And again, the importance of just a small kind act, because as stated in the voiceover, this is the first time someone other than like Forrest's mom has really shown him like kindness. And it's something so small of just being the one person to say you can sit by me on mm-hmm. the bus.
0: After being rejected by everyone else and so they they become fast friends i think the other thing that i love how this movie does is a good montage <laughs> so uh it constantly moves v- lots
1: the whole movie's a montage basically it is but
0: like the micro montages are are so i uh, they just grab your attention they move forward the characters in ways that make it feel important as opposed to just filling space um and so uh, you know we end with the uh, Reveal in well. First, we get them at their their tree, where they sit on the low branch and just like you know watch the sunset and and don't want to go home. Um, but kind of all in this part, we do get where a, a great scene where Forest breaks out of his leg braces and is able to finally run, and we get the run, Forest run, a run,
1: Forest run,
0: <laughs> which happens multiple times throughout it. But that that's how he runs and finds. Jenny at her family's farm, I guess is what I'll call it.
1: Yeah. And it's very it's made very clear to us that uh Jenny is being abused. Uh she has a really, really horrible home life. Um and it's you kind of use Forrest as not fully understanding it. Is because this is also looking through the lens of like Forrest as a child, too,'s so understanding of this and um It's almost a way to introduce, like, a really tough topic, but, like, soften it so that it's, like, a little bit more digestible, if that makes sense. Like, it's very clear to the audience what is happening. Um, And, again, that just, like, the juxtaposition of Forrest's description of something versus, like, what we're actually seeing.
0: Yeah, that's his line about her father being a loving man that I just crawled out of my skin uh ooh.
1: yeah and then of course we see like the drunken dad yelling after jenny they run into the cornfield and you have the heartbreaking god make me a bird so i can fly far far away from but here.
0: the way that they film that through the cornfield like it, jenny's father is to some extent anonymous but also completely knowable and this terrifying menacing figure like running through the cornfield as you see him spilling his moonshine or whatever just running after all menacing and like again the the rapid cuts and the way that they build that tension there just to have them have that quiet moment at the end just heightens that so much so i i i loved the way that that scene was filmed
1: no it's it's really well done um just the way the movie's constructed it so is well. cuz
0: that the the run forest run thing comes back almost immediately to them being you know 17 18 in high school he's running again from the same bullies this time in a truck but finds himself across a football field and at just the right time has that luck on his side um, and gets recruited to Alabama
1: the universe yep the University of Alabama scouts there the coach is there happens to see a run so uh Forrest gets to go to college and his mom is so proud
0: Well, I would, it's like, I would hope so.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, but like, it's just, it's fun because we always get to like, see that. Like, whenever Forrest kind of like, reaches these, like, educational milestones, like, you always get to see his mom being really proud. And it kind of, I don't, it's it's nice to see that because you're like, oh, what she did was not in vain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's pushed him in the right ways to position himself well it's not in vain but you could argue it's more luck <laughs> but maybe the leg braces like helped in the beginning so like i i don't know it's again that's that whole theme but that's of, the push
1: pull yeah. yeah of like fate destiny versus luck and randomness because you have multiple lines from the mom where she's like basically saying like you're the author of your own destiny and stuff like that um and then we'll get into the Lieutenant Dan stuff later. Yeah. But like yeah, that comes back in a big way with him.
0: But we do as part of that uh college age thing, we mentioned the scene um talking about integration. Um we also get some additional development with Jenny. So Jenny
1: Is that our first historical footage? I think it is. Sorry, yeah. I was just thinking, I think that's the first time they use it.
0: Um but next with Jenny, she's at a woman's college. Um Forrest is gonna go visit her, and we get
1: he he brings her a box of chocolate. Did you notice that? He has the box Always of chocolates. Does.
0: Um but this is where I, I I'm I'm not really sure what to make of that interaction between Jenny cuz on and him because on the one hand we're showing him as being extremely protective. He beats up this guy that she's making out with in the car. <laughs> like
1: Well, the the implication is she because there's like the bit where like she falls against the window and you hear her be like ow
0: yeah so it's like against so i think the
1: implication is he he thinks she's being hurt and whether or not that is the case in that moment we'll see but like there are examples later of like there are people who are hurting jenny or are aggressive towards jenny and that's always when he steps in
0: so we start that that there and uh uh Jenny is, yeah, I was going to say Robin Wright, but I'm like, wait, what, who was her character? <laughs> Jenny um, is mad about that. But I do, it's such a, a comment on their friendship that it's almost an immediate, bring it down a level. They're all wet. She takes him back to the dorm, gets him clean clothes. has a...
1: <sighs> it's like an, like the start of a romantic interaction... But she backs off.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know. Through a more modern reading, that feels a little like, can can Forrest consent to this being this happening? But I, I, uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, I think here's, I think Jenny also is lost and doesn't know what's going on, but in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, I. I have a lot of, like, thoughts and feelings that are hard to vocalize when it comes to her character. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really good character because it is a very complex character. And uh, so much of that is Robin Wright's performance.
0: Yeah, the way that she's able to show, like, hollowness in one scene and then, like, pure terror followed by despair and another, I'm thinking specifically like the disco era time when she almost jumps off the balcony. Like it's, she's doing great things. Jenny
1: is very troubled. Understandably, Jenny has had a very rough time and will continue to have a very rough time for most of the movie.
0: So I, I don't know that scene... I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, what to make of it, but they do give you some comedic decompression at the end because apparently her roommate is there and awake, <laughs> which I was I
1: bet her roommate's the one who rats her out for the Playboy spread. Yeah, later.
0: probably. That's, that's probably who it was. So Forrest is so good at his football. He gets put on the American, uh, like all American team, whatever gets to meet the president for the first time of many
1: yeah so i was reading that the way they did a lot of this historical footage because this is one i feel like with the um the one with the school integ- integration like you have forrest there visually but like he's not like verbally interacting with people um whereas this one he is like verbally also interacting with these historical figures so like what they did was they had like this archival footage that they would have of like obviously like kennedy is shaking somebody else's hand and stuff Um, and so then they would do the interaction with like Tom Hanks on a blue screen, like hitting the marks for like, you need to be here, here and here. And then they'd put him in and then they would use voice over with like voice actors doing impression, like really good impressions of these historical figures to alter the dialogue. And then they would like do special effects stuff with like the like people's mouths in the footage to like help make the new dialogue like a line.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's a fun technique. And I, I think really does get us in the moment, which of course, sorry, that was the most obvious thing I could have said, but
1: <laughs> there's also this like weird, I, I think it's, it's like a very dark, is it a joke? It's, but the like running commentary on like actually how frequent political assassinations were for like that period in hi- american history because they talk about the governor uh forces like and it's always his reaction is like yeah i don't know why but like somebody shot that poor person but like you have the governor you have uh jfk he then talks about jfk's um, brother <laughs> robert kennedy uh there's i think there's like a couple others uh, john lennon shows up when he shows up on the talk show with john lennon um so yeah i i was like that's an interest it's like just one of those things that like because you have all these historical events in the background the movie's like isn't it kind of crazy that for like this, this this period of time in American history, like political assassinations, were actually like really common, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was I thought that was interesting because then you also have the footage with Gerald Ford mm-hmm. um, later too. Anyway, I think I think like it's that handling of history that like I find interesting in the film, and I know some people don't like it, but I find it interesting of just the like kind of pointing out and being like. Isn't that like a weird thing? Isn't history just kind of odd?
0: It is. <laughs> so Forrest does graduate and joins the military. The tra- again, the editing here where the guy comes up and is like, hey, have you thought about joining the military? Uncle Sam on the thing. Cut to him on the bus. <laughs>
1: And I feel like it's because we're covering a really long this, you know what, I know Forrest Gump is a fictional character, but honestly, it's also a well done fictional biopic in some ways, because it is covering a lot of time. But I think there is a very distinct point to it. And you have the threads that kind of weave throughout like his love of Jenny, um, you know, the kind of odd, bumbling, unintentional influence on history, like fate versus luck. Um, So you have those threads weaving it together. Uh, But then also because of the character of Forrest and how he speaks very like plainly and bluntly, these kind of like jarring jumps, actually feel right with the rhythm of the film and the rhythm of the voice over because i feel like in other films we'd be like and then it immediately just has somebody handing him an army pamphlet and it like jumps and he's in the army like what's up with that but for some reason it works here. well
0: i accept that partially because of how the the framing technique comes in at the right places to punctuate it in ways that make things feel cohesive so i totally agree with you But as they cut to him on the bus to basic training, we have a repeat of the you can't sit here.
1: I love a narrative visual symmetry. It's the lines are almost the exact same. It is shot the exact same. The color palette's a little different. I don't know if you noticed that. It's definitely slightly darker because it's not first day of school. It's first day of war. Um, But you have Bubba, Being like, you can sit by me. And you have, again, it's just the small act of kindness that forges this just immediate bond between the two of them.
0: Yeah. And so we get the, essentially, another vignette montage of him going through basic training. We get some really...
1: And he's very good at this. we get
0: some funny lines from the drill sergeant about like, your IQ must be 165. You're a goddamn genius. Which...
1: Because that's the kind of environment that Forrest thrives in. Like, there's very clear structure and rules.
0: Instructions, all that.
1: Yeah, and he's very good at focusing up and, like, following an instruction. Um, We get the iconic shrimp speech. I
0: legitimately had to go and find shrimp for dinner after watching this because of (laughs) the shrimp speech. Like,
1: (laughs) It's so good, and... uh, Williamson and Hanks are both they're so good with like the physical comedy and the beat because there is the bit like it's the shrimp speech. Of course, it's Bubba listing all the things you can do with shrimp because he comes from a shrimping family. We also get like um, the visual where Forrest is explaining to like his mom cook shrimp for people, his grandmother cooks shrimp for people. And it's showing uh, Bubba's mother like serving um, always a wealthy white person. Um, through the generations which then later we get the lovely reverse of that where he's like and then she got to have somebody cook shrimp mm-hmm. for her and it's somebody serving her shrimp and it's like yeah so i i loved that kind of like visual reversal mm-hmm. um but bubba's listening on the ways of shrimp it's cutting between them doing various like military training things and then you have at the end of the speech where they're like scrubbing the floors with the toothbrushes and then bubba lists i think it's like shrimp burger or something and then he just stop they both just like pause and he just goes i think that's i think that's it i think that's all you can do with shrimp and there's just a beat where they both are pausing together and then simultaneously go back to scrubbing the floors with the toothbrush and it's just it's the smallest little thing but it makes like all mm-hmm. the difference well and the
0: editing there too because again this montage could have been very dull but the fact we have this continuing comedic thread just it, it makes it so enjoyable to watch
1: it's so good the movie is really good at endearing us to people really mm-hmm. quickly
0: it really is so the end of this sequence is where Forrest discovers that Jenny has posed for playboy and we get a photo of her in her sweater from her college but that leads into us seeing what she is doing now which it I find this... Forrest's line about her dream had come true about singing on a stage to be such a it like kind of a heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, it's sad because you know, Jenny had expressed that dream earlier. She's like, I want to be like Joan Baez. I want to be like sitting on a stage, just me and the guitar. And I interpreted this um as like she wants to be famous. Like Jenny Jenny wants like love and adoration and to not have to worry about things but then I see we're also like later and kind of with her relationship with Forrest she's also very scared mm-hmm. of those things as well um but yeah in his mind he's like oh yeah she like she got what she wanted her dream had come true she was a uh, folk singer and of course you know she's playing at this like It's a strip club. Very small theater. It's a strip club. Yeah. And you have the editing here again and the cinematography because we have her on stage. She's got the guitar in front of her and you have Forrest say the um, she got like her dream had come true. She was a songwriter and then it immediately cuts to the view behind Jenny and we can see she's naked behind the Mm -hmm. guitar, which also is really good symbolism to like Jenny as a character. Like she is this very like raw Character and the guitar is almost like her defense mm-hmm. mechanism. I don't, it, it's just a really nice uh, couple edits. And there.
0: you also didn't mention the sound here, but the like constant heckling and the kind of tension, and I don't know what we're feeling kind of that um, the same stuff that Forrest is, where he doesn't necessarily understand it, doesn't agree with the fact that they're like interrupting this performance. And I, it's Right, it's a well, and then of course
1: he, he steps in when they grab her, um, when some of the guys in the front row grab her, and then you have that scene right after where she's angry and they're walking on the bridge, and he's like, I'm like, I'm sorry that I caused this disruption, but like they grabbed you, and Jenny has this heartbreaking line where she is like, a lot of people grab me. It's like you have Forrest who has this very simple view of like that shouldn't happen, which is right. It shouldn't happen. Like he is correct in being angry about this. But then you also have Jenny who is like, yeah, it shouldn't happen, but it does.
0: But that uh, just the fact that she is leaving with a random person who pulled up to is is just
1: because she's got to get away. Uh, that's the first time. Remember she's saying, remember when we asked, we prayed for God to make me a bird so I could fly away. Do you think I could fly off this bridge? Like,
0: We understand Jenny's she's not troubled. in a good
1: place. Yes, yes. Um, the way those two actors play off each other and like the scenes where it's just the two of them is incredible and I love it. Mm-hmm. And again, where's Robin Wright's nomination?
0: I do want to point out when they have that exchange about runaway and they leave did you did you catch the like subtle soundtrack nods to moon river it was like a v- almost almost identical did. chord progression from moon river from uh breakfast at tiffany's and just this like
1: oh, i love a, that a beautiful she is such a holly go lightly jenny is such a holly go those characters are very similar um soundtrack in this movie is mm-hmm. phenomenal It's such a good soundtrack Um, there. I also want to point out with this uh, because Forrest does tell her he's going to Vietnam. And then once again, Jenny's advice to him being run. She's like, if promise me, like you won't be brave. If there's something you do, you will run away, which that's what Jenny always does. She also always runs. So it makes so much sense that that is her advice to Forrest, and it does serve him well.
0: It does, because when we get into Vietnam, well, one Lieutenant Dan is
1: a lovely character. Also, like, what a mom! He's like such but a mom. But actually, to them. like the fact
0: he's like so worried about so that the scene I'm thinking is looking down the one road, and he's like, everybody get down because he's suspicious of this thing on the side of the road that you know might be an explosive device. Like,
1: and he's the one who checks it out. Uh, it just, even from like the introduction, like when Bubba and Forrest arrive there and he's talking to them and he's like, every time you stop marching, change your socks because like, you know, it'll get you. It's really wet here. Like it'll get you. Like he's actually a really good officer.
0: And just the filmmaking aspect to his backstory the quick cuts to all of his predecessors dying in every American war.
1: Yes. And I forgot to write down the exact line, but it's so good in the voiceover with the way it's phrased. And I love the, like, and again, because it's Forrest, you know, like he's nice. He's, you know, a little bit simple and stuff. So it's like, it comes off very genuine, but it actually is a little bit of this like biting commentary where he's like talking about the great American tradition mm-hmm. of dying in conflict. I just, I liked it. It was like a little, a little bit of a like dig. Um, just cause we've, we've watched so many war films and they're always so sad. Yeah. Understandably. And as they should be, but oh, it gets to you. Um, but yeah, we finally have. Oh, there is the funny montage where it's talking about the rain. Yeah,
0: it's coming from above, the sides, sometimes from below, and you see him.
1: They experienced <laughs> all just... of it with the stinging rain, the big fat rain. I do love the below rain where they're in it's the river splashing. and he's got his hand like he's <laughs> trying to keep it from splashing in his face. Tom Hanks is a great physical mm-hmm. comedian,
0: but that uh, it just heightens the heightens the depth wow that is not a phrase that actually makes sense but emphasizes Forrest's intense positivity in the face of adversity
1: it's doing that it is also using comedy to highlight how shitty something is
0: yeah how are they going to change their socks if they've been wading through chest deep water for hours like
1: and it's like it looks appropriately mm-hmm. miserable
0: we do get the thread of writing to Jenny through this whole piece. Um, oh, it's oh, it's so sweet, but the it's such a. I don't, I don't love it. This is another one of those things where I thought it was a cool idea to have the rain go away and then immediately be ambushed, like you get out of one like out of the frying pan into the fire sort of situation going on, yeah. so.
1: I like oh, that. I, I, it works for me. Super
0: effective. Oh. Totally agree. But like, like it is maybe not the right word because of all of the carnage and destruction coming out of that scene. Like this is.
1: But it, I, I kind of get it though. Right. Like it's like the, the rain disappears. You have the sun and you're like, Oh, everything will be fine. And it immediately isn't like, I think it's just that, like it, it's kind of like the relentless role of history, mm-hmm. right? Like,
0: You get no break.
1: One thing after another, you don't get a break.
0: Yeah. And so that rolls into Forrest following Jenny's advice and then sort of following Jenny's advice, but staying true to that idea that, you know, you don't find great friends every day. I'm going back for Bubba. So it's just he's. Even though his interpretation is simple, it's just like unrelentingly good.
1: It's like Forrest really does forge like really strong relationships. And like, you know, the people who were there for him when he needed them, he will be there for when mm-hmm. they need him. And like he is going to find Bubba, but then you have him running into we have we had the comedic thing earlier where he was introducing these other characters, which again beautiful, introduce these little side characters via a comedic moment where he's saying, like, that's Cleveland from Detroit. And Tex, I don't remember where Tex (laughs) was from. Like, that's funny, but it's naming these characters that we're going to then watch be in danger, which is going to give us more of an emotional attachment to them. It's really Mm -hmm. smart, script-wise. But, of course, he stumbles upon each of those people in turn. And, you know, Forrest is like, I was starting to worry I wasn't gonna find Bubba, but every time I went to go look for him, there was somebody else calling for help, and I had to help them.
0: And he gets them. So again, out. the
1: simplicity for Forrest. Yeah, the simplicity for Forrest being like somebody needed help. I was there, I helped them.
0: And he does find Bubba. This is tragic.
1: Oh God. The Bubba's last line.
0: Hey, Forrest.
1: My heart. Oh yeah, when they just say hey, but the the I want to go home. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. They never show you people. They do not show you people die in this movie, but they don't have to.
1: They don't. The performances there are beautiful. And then the way it always ends is like when you're kind of getting to that really emotional moment, except for at the very end, Mm -hmm. Forrest always says, and that's all I have to say about that. And I love it because it's, for us getting emotional and then kind of retreating back into that, like, keep it together, but we're going to remain positive until we actually get to like see it later on. And it makes sense as he's like telling the, these stories to strangers mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, he also rescues Lieutenant Dan.
0: Against Lieutenant Dan's will.
1: <laughs> because Lieutenant Dan is like, this is my destiny. I'm supposed to die here in like, have this honorable death. He keeps talking about that later. Yeah, I guess we should... Let's let's move into the hospital scene because this is where we get a lot more of Lieutenant Dan and, like, Sanisa's performance in this is so good and just that, like, I was supposed to die. You cheated me out of destiny. I was supposed to have an honorable death. And it's like, okay, but also you, you didn't die. Now you have to figure out how to live.
0: Yeah, and I don't think he understands like i we did get the the reveal of him having lost his legs was very well done and then we get i don't know this this mix of Forrest finding his ping pong legs as it were while lieutenant dan is dealing with this existential crisis
1: ptsd ptsd yeah well
0: yeah um and it you know, comes to a head where he pulls Forrest off the bed onto the floor and it's like basically sobbing over the fact that, like, now, what is he going to do? hadn't like thought past this like i oh, it's heartbreaking. and he he's just ripped away so quickly and from from Forrest, too. it's just i oh,
1: yeah. But there's the line that I want to highlight where Lieutenant Dan says, do you know what it's like to not be able to use your legs? And Forrest just says, yes.
0: Because he does. He had, yeah.
1: And they never actually say what he had, but like, I assume it's like really bad scoliosis or something. It was because it yeah, was Yeah, the bad. the
0: thing about his spine being crookeder than a politician. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then, it, yeah, and it messed with his mobility. So he had to have those leg braces, which I do think uh Hanks builds this kind of that backstory into Forrest's physicality his posture is always perfect mm-hmm. uh but yeah I that moment and then it's like Forrest just says yes but he doesn't explain it to to Dan and you see just like Dan's intense frustration and it's I think it's a perfect example of people underestimating Forrest because to Lieutenant Dan he's like He just doesn't get it. And I'm angry and everything. And it's like, no, Forrest really does understand, though, on a level that you just aren't aware of because, like, you don't know what his story is. And... Yep. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I I love that moment. I also just... Any scene with Lieutenant Dan, I love. I love that character. I think it's such a well-done character, and I think it's a character that, like, deals with these really difficult issues and important issues but in like a subtle um and effective Mm way
0: so of course forrest is awarded the medal of honor for his valor in rescuing all of his compatriots he
1: had to he had to go to the white house again literally show his ass to the president (laughs) (laughs) he he, did ask to see asked where he got shot and Forrest said in the buttocks, and then Johnson said he liked to see it. So it's, hey, it tracks. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I love I love the moment of panic on Forrest's face where he's like, "The president just said he wanted to see that."
0: Okay, <laughs> I guess I'm
1: gonna moon the president. Like it's yeah, it was it a was. funny moment, but I I do love that it's like yeah, Forrest Gump. It's like you know the humor of this guy who never intended to be a hero, never like wanted like the fame and notoriety just becomes this kind of folk hero through the fact of just like who he is and just doing the stuff he does um but i i think it i don't know like i think it makes him more likable that you're like Forrest didn't do this like Forrest didn't go save all those people because he wanted to be a hero he wanted a medal of honor it's like Forrest did that because like he could and knew he yeah. should I like that the accolades don't mean anything to him. It's the people that mean something to him.
0: I agree with that. So he uh, is exploring Washington, D.C. and does inadvertently get pulled into a pro-Vietnam War protest where he is shuttled up onto stage to talk about the Vietnam War. Now, I, I think on the one hand, I can understand why They have a disruptor pull all of the mic cables out as he's talking. Cause like he's, I don't know. We can't, uh, it almost feels like we can't have Forrest say too much.
1: (laughs) Here's the, here's why, part of why I think they did that too. I think having like as an audience, us listening and actually getting to hear the speech. I mean, Vietnam is like, we've covered several movies on it. Like it's an incredibly tough subject in like time and history. And I feel like if you write the speech and have Forrest deliver it, it's almost like, how do you do it justice? Yeah. Especially considering the tone of this movie. Like it is a comedy drama. Like it's, you know, it's not a platoon. It's not a deer hunter. Um, so I think having to write that speech, it's like, can you really do it justice in that moment? And this tone with this movie but i think it's kind of brilliant here because you have the disruptor right so it's also showing you like a glimpse at the social tensions and the you know protesters versus like the military industrial complex it's like a little glimpse into that but also we do know for a fact that what forest said was incredibly touching and moving and effective and anti-war because you have the guy who is standing right next to him wipe a tear away and be like, you just summed it up so well. Like and Forrest ends with, that's
0: all I have to say about that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it, Part of me too thinks that that's really critical for keeping Forrest as a character that is, he's not an empty character, but he is a canvas upon which we can place our own kind of interpretations.
1: For sure. I think and I think it's very important just for like keeping the tone of the movie consistent and like what it is. Um, But I, I just think that that's like a very intelligent thing that they did script wise, because we we get the we still get the emotion of it. Like we still understand. And then, of course, you have this great iconic scene of like he says his name and you have Jenny running through the reflecting pool. And, like, their reunion in that moment. I love that shot of her just, like, it's running. A good shot. You have the sea of people and the blank reflective pool and then her just cutting through it.
0: And then Forrest's voiceover about not wanting the night to end and all that. And then they somehow end up at, like, a Black Panther meeting.
1: Because, I, I mean, Jenny's, like, in... Full counterculture. The counterculture. It's interesting because it's, like, with Jenny, I've, I feel like with because of the editing and like rights performance you get the feeling that it's like yeah she's part of these movements but like I think Jenny's just looking for community like she's just looking for like a place to belong and like something to care about
0: yeah she kind of chameleons herself into the next thing as it comes along and I mean you can kind of see it i don't want this to sound like i'm trying to blame her for the fact that she is literally being physically abused by her boyfriend but like her seeming willingness to continue to move with that relationship i think comments on the fact that that she's so desperately seeking that community that she's willing to put up with it
1: also like she comes from an abusive background Mm -hmm. like it's We're, we're seeing Jenny caught in this cycle that she keeps trying to run from, but running from stuff is also part of her cycle almost. And then we, you know, of course, like you have the boyfriend who hits her at the party forest beats him up. Um, I love his, I'm sorry. I caused a fight at your party (laughs) and then they leave. Um, and then at the end, like you said, like you see her run away again, and she seems to be going back to that relationship. And I love that Forrest is just like, well, you know how I feel about, like, you mm-hmm. know what I think. But like, you know, that's all he's going to say about that. Like, it's still her her choice, but...
0: Yeah, but the little looks he gives both her and her boyfriend at the end, it's just a, a, a nice touch for that.
1: I love the little eye narrow mm-hmm. at the boyfriend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... I I think jenny is like such a i mean she's such a tragic character in a lot of ways but it's like yeah she's running she keeps running from stuff but in a sense like she's also running from like the person who can actually like help her and will give her like the love and validation she craves but she's like almost scared to have that Mm -hmm. as well
0: yeah i'd agree i totally agree so Forrest does not go back to active duty he is now a ping pong master uh, he
1: plays ping pong for the army.
0: He does, and apparently plays in China. The cgi like, gigantic ping pong hall was a, a very nice touch, I thought. Um, but, I mean, as part of that, you know, he, he is eventually discharged, but is interviewed by... Um, who, who Who was he interviewed by? I can't remember, but he talks with John it's, Lennon. It's some talk show
1: host, but also John Lennon, and you have the the sprinkling of the lyrics yeah. of Imagine. Yeah.
0: I felt that I thought that was a little contrived, but hey, it it allows us to get to Lieutenant Dan.
1: <laughs> True, and I was going to say that one feels the most contrived, but it's also I do love it because it's it's not only like Forrest Gump's being there for like these big political events. There's also like pop mm-hmm. culture stuff. Like I mean, as a kid, influencing Elvis's dancing.
0: Oh yeah, we totally <laughs> glossed <laughs> like, over that. That's funny.
1: Yeah, um, and then like the lyrics mm-hmm. to Imagine and.
0: So Lieutenant Dan is back. He's looking real rough, like completely unkempt.
1: And it's the the movie, like because of the point of view we're looking for, like it's not going to go super hard in on the fact that like taking care of veterans. I mean, still an issue, especially after Vietnam. Like we as a country did not take care of our veterans.
0: Well, and you could argue we still don't take care of our veterans. We still don't.
1: We still don't appropriately. Um, It it was just like a. you know i know that like it was a huge huge issue after after vietnam because you had these like really large uh groups of people being discharged and um you had an explosion in like the homeless population among veterans and stuff like that so and obviously like not getting the psychiatric help and support that people needed and we're getting that with dan but like because we're from Forrest's view like we're not going to go super hard on it but it's also like you kind of don't need to yeah with Dan like i like I think it's I think it's there mm-hmm. and i he originally he's really mad at Forrest
0: like on the one hand, I can understand how he could be mad about that, given how he thought his life was going to go, and now it's not going that way, but I do think of of this quick, relatively quick scene with New Year's with two women that Lieutenant Dan has picked up at a bar, like we are shown that Lieutenant Dan still does on some level really care for Forrest because the, the woman that Lieutenant Dan is, is, you know, making out with calls Forrest stupid and Lieutenant Dan's like, fuck off. You do not call him stupid. Um,
1: he kicks them out. And I, so yeah, he does care about Forrest, but I think also part of it is cause like before that that's new year's we did Forrest says like, I spent Christmas with Dan and like you get these little like just glimpses and again the performances so good of like that's an example of like Forrest was there for Lieutenant Dan when Lieutenant Dan really needed somebody.
0: Mhm. But after for uh, Forrest discharge he is able to return home. We do get to see a quick glimpse of the fame that he has managed to get himself into. Um and especially with the endorsement deal for some ping pong paddles. But that is important only because he is going to get into the shrimping business to keep his promise to Bubba. Meets Bubba's family.
1: Promises the promise. Is
0: told ass well asked are you stupid at multiple steps of the way. <laughs> and always
1: And he always responds, Mama says stupid is a stupid does. <laughs>
0: I love how that's a long winded way to say yes. Because um, this shrimping boat is but not successful. It was not successful at the beginning, though. Even when Lieutenant Dan came, oh, no, it no, no, like, no. not at all. But the fact that Lieutenant Dan comes there. Oh. I was going
1: to say, can we talk about this? Because at New Year's, or I think this is at New Year's, at some point, Dan's asking Forrest what he's going to do. And Forrest is like, I'm going to become a shrimp boat captain. And Dan's like, excuse me? Like, what do you know about shrimping? And he's like, well, not much, but Bubba told me everything he knew and like, I'm gonna, you know, talk to Bubba's family and everything and a promise is a promise. And Dan's like laughing and he's like, I tell you what, the day you become a shrimp boat captain, I'll come be your first mate. And so of course, after he's, you know, Forrest has gotten the ship, he's named it the Jenny and you have just the shot of Dan on the dock.
0: And the fact Forrest unthinkingly jumps off and swims to shore that is his impulse is so endearing and you get the comedic bit at and the end
1: exactly that's my the boat
0: <laughs> so it, it, it is quite funny
1: I love the comedic beat where you have Dan so sure of where the shrimp is and we're all wondering like oh is Dan gonna be like the missing element
0: nope one shrimp <laughs> if that I think it was Just no sh- maybe no shrimp um <laughs> Just right even the in in this case seeking out kind of the the religious aspect of things which take it or leave it i I'm not sure is I know that some people see that as kind of like a commentary on the goodness of religion. I'm not sure that I see that as that so much as him seeking out meaning and like support um
1: yeah, I would say I think overall theme wise it's more about like finding meaning and like how everyone's searching for it and sometimes you just don't find it like you just have to keep going I'm we'll talk more about that with the running stuff um but i think the like religious undertones and like the references to god and like you know heaven and stuff i consider that more just like incidental to the character's mm-hmm. background and like the fact that he grew up in the 50s in and the 60s south. in like the rural yeah. south yeah so i that's Kind of what I see, that like I don't, I don't think that's actually like really where we're going to. Again, our interpretation, our lens.
0: But you know, when if if you do take a, a stronger reading of that, when the hurricane shows up, like okay, cool, we've got some God, Old I Testament God coming through right now.
1: <laughs> I freaking love this. Forrest is like, I was very scared. Lieutenant Dan wasn't. Cut to Dan in the rigging, being like, "Come at me, you motherfucker!" <laughs> like screaming into the storm. And I feel like that's the moment where Dan, we see this again with Jenny later too, but it's like the moment when someone gets to fully just express their anger as being kind of like the start of the healing process. And I feel like that's Dan's moment of like screaming into the storm and like screaming at God, being like, you couldn't kill me before, like, come at me, let's do this.
0: It's it's such a great, characterization of Lieutenant Dan and I mean it really does show his anger at his situation which I think is I mean yeah he was dealt a shit card like I think it's a perfectly reasonable reaction to have like be angry about it but the way that he is able to then take that and turn that into the Bubba Grump Shrimp Company and you end with him at peace, floating, swimming in the ocean with the beautiful clouds in the background. Like, it's, I, I would have loved to have understood a little bit more what's going on in his head. But at the same time, it's just a, such a beautiful spot to place such a tortured character in.
1: Well, I just, it's, it's lovely to like see that character arc. And I think this movie does a really nice job of like wrapping up character arcs at the appropriate time, right? And right before he like, you know, jumps into the water to like swim and kind of float away, he, for the first time, thanks Forrest for saving his life.
0: But he doesn't actually, he never says the words. He just said, I never thanked you for that, which is as much as you're gonna get from him.
1: But it is it's it is this wonderful moment because Forrest gets it and he's like, I think that's the moment where he like made his peace with God, kind of being like, I think that's the moment where Dan like accepted. And I I love getting to watch that journey in the movie of it being like, yeah, it's hard. Stuff sucks. Like, you're going to be angry, and that's fine. You scream into that storm. Like, you do what you need to do. And, like, you can heal, though. Like, there's there's the hope provided in that that I think is really nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, we do at this point get some sad news that Forrest's mother is dying apparently from cancer. So he, again, his first impulse is swim to shore, run home. And that's, I mean, literally what he does. I, I assume he probably took some motorized transportation in there somewhere, but um, it's that, that little personality tick is Have so Have you
1: enduring. noticed is always running away from stuff. Forrest is always running to stuff.
0: Except for that one time. Except for that one time. But
1: you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of... It's like a fun yeah. little dichotomy between and mm-hmm. characters. I love the... I love parallels. I love symmetry when it comes to storytelling. Like, oh, I'm here for it. Um, again, we have Forrest's mom. She's not sugarcoating it. Forrest asks what's wrong. She goes, I'm dying. But she's not going to be, you know, mopey about it.
0: Oh, with the it's biggest just, smile. It is what it is. I just... that. That is the piece that I hope that I can arrive at. <laughs> like,
1: I she's ugh. again such a good character, and like it totally, like totally makes sense as like Forrest's parent. Um, but yeah, I, I again love her. Great Sally Field doing a great job.
0: Mm-hmm. But that brings Forrest home, and we do get a, another reveal that apparently Lieutenant Dan is pretty sharp. And or lucky and invested in a quote fruit company, um, Apple Computers. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Probably and, Macintosh at the time. I think.
0: Uh, yeah, they were uh, set for life, which I, I, the way that he talks about it is it's like one less thing to worry about, which is so true. Like,
1: I tell you, you know, I would absolutely love one less thing to worry about. Same. <laughs> um, and then, of course, that's when you have he. Um, you know, a promise is a promise, split 50-50. He gives half the money to Bubba's family, and uh, that's when you get the, uh, his mom didn't have to serve people anymore. She had people serving her shrimp, and you get that like parallel little shot of somebody bringing her the, the nice meal.
0: Yeah. We are still hearing Forrest kind of long to see Jenny again, and she does come back. Now I think the the one scene that really stood out to me is her throwing her shoes and rocks at her childhood home and collapsing yes. into the dirt road just sobbing and that shot lingers with me and it's just so yeah such a it's not it's not even cathartic it's more of just a similar to Lieutenant Dan's outburst this is Jenny's version of that
1: she finally gets to express this anger, like this just deep-seated anger at what happened to her and the injustice of it. And I love the line in the voiceover after she collapses to the ground, where Forrest just says, "Um, sometimes there just aren't enough rocks.
0: I flat sobbed at that line. I'm like tearing
1: up at it again. uh, It's so good. And again, it's just this like beautifully written, simplistic way of just expressing that feeling of like being so angry and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you can throw the rocks and sometimes it's just not enough, but like, that's the start of the healing process.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, they, they're living this very quaint, nice life together at this point. And I think narratively speaking, I do like how they set up the, the marriage proposal is being like such a throwaway, but also so tragic in her response. Like you don't, you don't want to marry me. Cause it goes back to that. Like she is, I don't know if she's afraid or just not able to receive that sort of love and care with where she's at.
1: I think that line is also so telling about Jenny's perception of herself as like undeserving. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Forrest's love for her has been so unconditional and I feel like because of the life that Jenny has led and like her upbringing like she doesn't understand being worth that Mm -hmm. and I think it takes her later at the end of the film having somebody who she loves unconditionally to maybe grasp that that like
0: it's possible.
1: It's so interesting because our main character, and I like Forrest as a main character, but as far as main characters go, like, very clear in motivation. Like, he's not a complicated character, and it really is our supporting cast that are extremely complicated characters. And I think it's impressive how much we're able to gather with, you know, relatively low screen time. Jenny definitely gets a lot more, but yeah.
0: comparatively yes less for sure um but they do share an evening in bed together and we cut to her leaving and the line that the cabbie's like what are you running from i'm not running
1: but she is running and we know it oh we know she's running
0: but that leaves Forrest empty and the way they filmed him
1: the shot on the shoes
0: yeah, but he was, that, that, that sequence, it was, so to some extent, Forrest has kind of floated through his life, but in a way that never felt empty. This is the first time it feels truly empty between the house, the way that they lit and colorized this particular sequence. like It, it feels very sad, and that sets him to running, and it's basically like, well, I ran to the end of the street. Oh, well, I ran to town. How about I keep going?
1: Which again, it's like, oh, it encapsulates, I feel like, have you ever just been like, so like frustrated or keyed up? And you're like, I just need to go like run on the treadmill and just like run it out or something after like a really bad day at work or something. And you're like, I'm so frustrated. I need to just go like run or work out. Like oh, you're, yes. where you're like, you're like, I can't mentally or emotionally process this. So I'm just going to physically process it. And Forrest doing that. Uh, the cinematography of all the different places he's running, and like the beauty of these places, and then of course you have Forrest Gump, accidental cult leader, <laughs> picking people up because again it's that theme of everyone searching for meaning. And I love how many people we see that happen to, and even just if it's it's these little glimpses of people who are like running with him. And you have the reporters being like, "Why are you doing this?" and this need to understand why. And Forrest is like. I'm just running because I want to run. Like Forrest doesn't know why. He's not going to dig too deeply. Like sometimes maybe there isn't a why and that's okay. And I, I love that segment.
0: But they are us. Cause like I said, we're able to project the why on to the character of Forrest, which again, I don't fully understand and can't fully articulate why he is still Like a character, but we can have him morph into what we want him to be. Like, it's, 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 I don't understand it, but that's what I'm getting.
1: It's like the some, somewhere, and I'm not sure what the balance is between, but somewhere a perfect balance got struck. And it just, it it works for me. And I can't fully tell you why. Yeah um i we have more little influences on pop culture the guy who needed the bumper sticker the shit happened,
0: and the car crash immediately after su- such such yeah. it that was funny uh,
1: <laughs> the wiping his face on the yellow shirt and then the mud stain comes back and it's the perfect smiley face
0: i ab- totally absurd but it's again that like comedic relief from something that's very serious
1: and considering just the like you know all of the historic events this one man's just randomly part of on accident. Like there is a bit of like absurdist whimsy fantasy Mm -hmm. to it. So I feel like that section, like those little jokes are really leaning into that
0: for sure. So that brings us up to the end of the framing portion of this frame story. And he's talking to this woman who has skipped, you know, two or three buses talking about why he's here to see Jenny and you don't have to take a bus. It's only five or six blocks that way, which is, I would, Forrest, of course, is not perturbed by this. I would be perturbed by this.
1: <laughs> but also Forrest, like, he's fa- he was following the instructions that Jenny gave in her letter. Yeah, to the T. Yeah, but in the course he takes off running.
0: With his chocolates, gives her the chocolates, which he ate a few of, which is just, mm-hmm. it's funny. Um, but we get the reveal that he has son and the way that she talks about oh I named him after his daddy Forrest and he doesn't get it and she just immediately tells him what goes on the expression on Tom Hake's face I immediately started crying
1: that's the Oscar win right there this moment right here and this is the moment that for me I mean I like I enjoy the movie up to this point but this is the moment that like really it breaks my heart and it also just shifts my understanding of Forrest, where like the most important question to him is about his son is is he smart? And it's it's in that moment that you realize that despite just like the relentless positivity and like Forrest's ability to keep going and to just, you know, every single time he's been asked if he's stupid and he just responds with stupid is as stupid does. You're like
0: He's self aware. He has enough awareness. He knows.
1: He knows, and despite the fact that his mother would tell him, like, you're not any different, he knows he's different, and he knows how hard it has been, and just, like, his fear that it's going to be that hard for his son, and then just the the relief when Jenny's like, no, like, he's he's really smart, he's, like, at the top of his class, like, I, oh, it's just started crying mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. At that moment, I to me that is the best scene in the movie. It is the greatest moment in the movie.
0: Yeah, I I I'd agree. But we do roll on to a another in a line of emotional reveals that uh, Jenny they say has a virus. I think it's heavily given, especially the timing, heavily implied that it's HIV, which you know in or the early eighties is for most folks a death sentence um, but that leads to her asking Forrest to marry her
1: and I feel like that works there because previously he was the one to bring mm-hmm. it up yeah you have the really lovely wedding scene
0: mm-hmm. the reveal that Dan has gotten prosthetic legs like
1: it introduces Forrest to his fiance that like I love that reassurance that like Dan is doing well mm-hmm. and and then just The moment where Jenny meets Dan, and I love how she just says, "It's so nice to finally meet you." And then when you know, Forrest is like, "This is my Jenny," and Dan has that like look on his face. I, I love like that. There's just this unspoken appreciation between Jenny and Dan of like, "Oh, you're the person I've heard about that like has meant Mm -hmm. so much to this person we both care about." Like I don't, I just all of our characters. It's very sweet. It's, it's very, very, very sweet.
0: sweet, um, but we roll quickly into a uh, the emotional gut punch of um this actually like to go go into specifics like very specifics here, forr bringing breakfast to Jenny in bed um uh, <laughs> and she asks Are you getting this, emotional oh, yes, very. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's okay. I had, I don't know if you noticed, I wiped away two tears like a couple minutes ago.
0: Yeah. Ooh. It's just, ooh.
1: When was the last time we didn't cry?
0: I don't know. In it's been episode. a
1: minute. Feels but, like it's been so long.
0: But she asks him if in Vietnam he was ever scared. And the way that he turns that into talking about the moments of what I would, personally interpret as like an intense spiritual connection to like the world around him, like talking about the stars coming out and then rolling into how that's like the sunset on the bayou and the perfectly clear mountain lake and just seeing the beauty and everything
1: well, it's yeah, it's like seeing the beauty in things in the face of adversity. Because it's the same tone that his mom always has, right? Like, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Like, he's like, yeah, I was afraid in Vietnam. But, like, there were moments when, like, the rain would clear and you'd see the stars. And it was just beautiful. And that is part of why I think, like, that character is so endearing. It's, again, that positiveness and, like, never ignoring when shit sucks. Yeah. Even if he doesn't always, you know, seem to fully grasp it. But just finding, like... The beautiful moments in life, but also like the beautiful moments in other people.
0: Mm-hmm. And he has the line that parallels what he said for his mother, where it's like, You died she on says, a Saturday. I wish I'd.
1: Or, but well, first she says, I wish I was there with you. Oh, you were. And he says, You were.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Chocolate. Yeah, and then onions. the transition
1: into the voiceover of being him talking to Jenny mm-hmm.
0: with her under the tree.
1: And that's that's the first time we see Forrest fully lose it. Like we I mean, we saw him got get emotional with the sun, but like that moment and then this moment are the two where he starts to get emotional and you don't have a and that's all I have to say about that. Like he has so much to say to her, yeah. and it's just Heartbreaking. It's really beautiful.
0: But it ends with a flock of birds flying up and around the tree, which is just
1: like a- God made me a bird so I can fly yeah. far
0: away. But the line there about, like, is it destiny or are we like floating accidentally, like on a breeze, and that's when it hit me about the feather at the beginning, really. <laughs> yeah. But he ends with the baby. Both is happening at the same time, and that just that's it's that's good. the sort of peace <laughs> that really I needed. Good. So, but we end kind of similarly to how we began with him sending his son off to school with his Curious George book and the same introduction to the same bus driver and it's...
1: Except for it's a little different because she's like... Because at the beginning Forrest was a little bit confused that it was like the bus going to school and you have the I'm not supposed to get rides from strangers but then he introduces himself and he's like we're not strangers now. But you have the same bus driver open the door and ask the kid like you know this is the bus going to school and I love when he goes yep and you're so and so and I'm Forrest Gump and it's just... Like, the smile on her face, too, like, it's it's the same but better. Forrest, you see so much of, like, both Forrest and Jenny and the kid Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm. And Forrest just sitting, because he's going to be there when he gets home. It's sweet. And then we end with the feather floating away. Mm
0: -hmm. I do think, to some extent, our ability to interact with this movie as we do is, like coming from a slightly privileged perspective, just because like, we're able to see, I don't know. It's, uh, we can take the uncomplicated for face value. Um,
1: I, I think this movie, like, I don't think it's for everybody.
0: Yeah, I think, I
1: think you have like our, I think, sense of humor and the way that you and I deal with like adversity and sadness and grief and stuff, I think kind of aligns, A lot with the movie, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably why you and I both have a little bit of an affinity for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it's for everyone. Um, I think it's a movie that is probably also open to a lot of interpretation. And I think you can get a lot of different things out of it, depending.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that completely.
1: Which I think is okay because not every movie is for everybody. Heaven knows (laughs) we've had many that are not for us.
0: Yeah. And that are like actively (laughs) not good. Oh boy. But lists.
1: Lists.
0: I'm ready to go if you're okay with that.
1: I'm not. So you should go ahead and go.
0: So it's at my number 18 actually. So that puts it um, after ordinary people and before on the waterfront. So in this particular part of my list. I actually have Terms of Endearment, Ordinary People um, just above it. And I think for me, a lot of the same, um, I don't know, kind of relationship type themes are triggered by Forrest Gump as those other two movies. But where I think the other movies kind of succeed is in a in a more grounded, more realistic sort of portrayal of of those particular characters and themes. So... While I enjoyed Forrest Gump, like it is almost always very clear to me that this is like a highly fictionalized skinning of American history um, with some more like kind of universal themes layered on top. Um, So kind of the reality of terms of endearment and ordinary people is a little more, I guess up my alley in that regard. Now in terms of Forrest Gump versus on the waterfront, while like I've, on the waterfront has kind of that like triumphant feel about it. I really think that Forrest Gump's the themes that we've talked about around kind of destiny versus luck versus fate and all of that, and then how that affects the relationships around Forrest, it just delved so much deeper into that kind of character aspect for me. Um, not to mention, I think the film making itself was like top notch on the waterfront again, wasn't bad, but it, it, I don't think can really hold a candle to how well Forrest Gump was edited.
1: Speaking of movies resonating differently with different people uh, on the waterfront is like my number four. I know so like I'm a huge <laughs> on the waterfront fan. Yeah. um, But again, like stuff just is going to resonate with different people differently at different times
0: so yeah that's uh that's where i have it 18
1: interesting okay yeah that is higher than i would have thought so it is my new number 30 which might seem a little low based on what i've been talking about um again though we're on like 67 movies so like top 30 is actually like quite good Yeah, like it's actually quite good and then also like your average quality for a best picture winner does tend to be a little bit higher than like your average quality for just movies in general. Um so for me it is right after Patton and right above Unforgiven. So after Patton because I mean Patton I think is a great example of like an examination of a historical figure and stuff and then if we're talking about just, like, main character, Patton, certainly not as likable as Forrest, but a more interesting, like, character study. Um, and I also just find, like, some of the themes in Patton really interesting. Also, just, like, I think the cinematography is a little bit better. I might just be thinking of that opening shot, but, like, my God.
0: It's a good shot.
1: One of the best movie openings of all time. It's really good. Um, So I am going to give the edge to Patton there. Um, I definitely like for like if I if I want like an uplifting movie, I'm not putting on Patton. I'm definitely putting on Forrest Gump. Uh, Speaking of needing an uplifting movie Unforgiven, I think is good. I think you and I definitely had like some critique on that film. That's another one that I got a lot more out of it as we started talking about it, too, though. Um, I just it is dark. It is a really dark, really rough film. Um and I think with Forrest Gump, there's nothing I would cut on Forrest Gump. Like I think the pacing and the editing is like impeccable. Um there were a couple things with Unforgiven that I was like, "Man, I wish like this scene had been cut or like I wish this had been paced like a little bit differently." Um so I'm going to going to slide it right in there. But again, like I mean, I do really enjoy the movie. And it definitely like hits an emotional chord with me, especially like that ending. So yeah, I do think it's good. I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea, but I do think it's good.
0: I think that's fair. So anyway, that's Forrest Gump. Thanks for uh, joining for us for that. So I think um, next time.
1: Next time is Braveheart.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Uh... I haven't
1: seen it. (laughs) I feel, I haven't seen it. I feel like it'll be fine.
0: I just worry that it's going to be, like, I realize that it is extremely, like, it's like a, a cultural touchstone in many ways. I just, my impression is it's it's pretty long and very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Takes a lot of liberties.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh. With okay. the
0: the source material, as it were, which is not a bad thing. But
1: I was going to say, our favorite quote unquote biopic <laughs> is Amadeus, okay, fair, which takes fair. many a historical <laughs> liberty. The film's very upfront about it, though. I think, which is, I don't, I don't mind it if a film's very upfront about it. But you know, yeah. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I we've had a really good run lately, though. We have. We've had. F- our last four have been like solid so i i feel like i don't think i don't think the run can last so i my money would be on braveheart being i hopefully it does i would love to be surprised um i feel like braveheart might end up our weak link i don't know i just got a feeling maybe it's like a lieutenant dan feeling though maybe i'm wrong maybe we're not going to catch the disappointment shrimp on this one (laughs) But yeah, that does it for Forrest Gump. Join us next time for Braveheart. In the meantime, uh, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, or you can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review. You guys know the drill.
0: Thanks again for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next time.